0: Amen. So it's such an awesome thing to be able to to welcome new people in the life of the church. I think it's really fitting that we talk about this and talk about, have been talking about, what it means to be a people of resurrection, right? When we give ourselves to Christ, we, we are raised with Christ to do good. And that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks in our Easter series called Alive and Well, Raised for Good. So we're going to keep unpacking this this question. What does it mean to be a people of resurrection? Do we live our lives as though something has changed, as as, as something has impacted us through what Christ has done for each and every one of us? Jesus, through the resurrection, has raised us into new life. We have been raised for good. And that means two things. It means we've been raised for good is that, it's complete, it's, it's eternal, it's everlasting. Nothing can take that away from us, what, what God has done through Christ for each and every one of us. But it also means that we all have a purpose in Christ, a purpose as a, a body of believers, as members of Christ's churches. we just committed and, and recommitted ourselves to doing, is to, to do good. That's our purpose as followers of Jesus. And even still, we might be thinking, well, what does that mean? look like? How do I know whether I'm living the resurrected life or not? And so what we did last week was we talked through one of Paul's metaphors as he wrote to the church in Colossae, and he used this imagery of clothing. He used a metaphor for clothing to talk about this this comparison and contrast between the old life and the new life. And he talked about the old life is kind of like ill-fitting clothes, right? They, they don't fit you anymore. Or they don't suit you any longer. And so your old life, essentially, it never really brought fulfillment. It didn't bring us fulfillment. And it certainly didn't bring you joy. And it, and it doesn't bring other people joy. And so we have to think about, we have to sort of inventory our lives, consider these things, and, and stop doing some of those things that are ill-fitting. Some of those things that, that don't bring us joy. Some of those things that don't bring others joy. Paul continues to teach us that most of our old life is defined by things that would bring us harm and even bring harm to other people, even though we don't want to name that or or even point that out. It's true. A lot of our lives, we unfortunately, we do that. We unintentionally or intentionally harm ourselves or harm other people. And we do things where we become irritable, right? We become uh, bad-tempered. We become just mean right? We end up lying to one another. We might become bitter or impatient. We might become jealous. We might have lust. We might have pride. We might have hatred in our hearts, but we're not going to succumb to those things because Christ, what Christ has done, has freed us, has raised us from those things into new life. So part of our new lives in Christ, it requires us to, to throw out those ill-fitting clothes, as Paul teaches, to, to throw out that old life. And so what we do instead is we, we throw out those things, we stop doing those things, and we start our new lives in Christ by stopping those behaviors that bring harm to ourselves or bring harm to others, because we're no longer defined by that old life. We are defined by Christ. We all have been raised for good. And last week, we also introduced john wesley's general rules right this was sort of three simple things that we can keep in our our brains day to day that help us remind us to, to step into that new life to to forsake that old life and this is what we shared those rules are really simple to do no harm to do good and to stay in love with god stay connected to god and this is a helpful guide as we grow as we build momentum as followers of jesus together this is a simple method as Methodists. If you don't know who John Wesley is, he's the founder of the Methodist movement and of our United Methodist denomination. So we spent last week talking about do no harm. This morning we're going to be talking about number two, do good. And we want you to, to open up your Bibles to Colossians. We're going to be continuing the same text that we started last week, So if you have your physical Bibles with you, we invite you to open those up. If you have smartphones, whip those out. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible, uh, we have free Bibles to give away to you because we really care uh, about people beginning to to have a, a relationship, have a connection with their Bibles, not just on Sundays, but throughout their lives. And so Please uh, continue to bring your Bibles, continue to find resources to help you do that. And if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, we want to help you find your way. The New Testament, second half of the Bible. And Colossians, the book of Colossians, is between the books of Philippians and 1 Thessalonians. Um, So you can find that and follow along. And we're going to be looking at chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Again, this is a continuation of what we read from last week. And Paul is still kind of using this metaphor of clothing, right? He's using, he's wearing out this, this metaphor, but he's talking about what it now looks like to live into the resurrected life, our new life in Jesus, the life that we were designed to embrace and to live out. And so let's read this. It says, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God has picked out for you, which is this compassion, kindness, humility, Quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master, Jesus, has forgiven you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other. And step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And while you're at it, cultivate thankfulness. I love this part. Let the word of Christ, the message, the gospel, let it have the run of your house. Let it have priority. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. And everyone said, thanks be to God. So Paul is encouraging us. That we together, that each and every one of you have been chosen by God to live this new life marked by love. And so last week the the passage talked about if you're serious about living this new resurrected life with Jesus, we have to act like it. We can't just say we are without, without following, without being obedient, without doing the things that God has called us to do. And so what Paul continues to say is that as you get rid of that ill-fitting clothing, begin to, to dress in the wardrobe that God has picked out for you. Now, I don't know about you, but I get a little nervous when anyone tries to pick out clothing for me, right? Maybe some of you in the room have had some experience with some significant others trying to to give a gift maybe, or uh, just have some fun and spontaneity, and they try and and, and well, good intentions to pick out something uh, for you to wear. And you might be like, oh, that's so nice, or that's so sweet, right? And it's not exactly what you wanted to be wearing. It didn't really uh, suit you that well and i think this the epitome of this is true is when we we're kids right we're at the mercy of our parents we're usually not picking and choosing what we get to wear although sometimes we do we're trying to rush the kids out the door and we just pick the clothes and put them on them and and run out and i and i know that that sometimes i think this is a way that parents can kind of get back at their kids by, by picking their clothing, right? It can be a, a cruel way for our parents to get back at, the, uh, back at us. And the reason why I was thinking about this is this week, I, I saw this post. And a lot of you, I think, will, will laugh, I hope. Uh, but it's families from the 90s will really appreciate this. So I'm going to give you a second just to read it and see. <laughs> Do you get that? The wind never stood a chance. This whole family is outfitted in windbreakers it was the fad of the time it was the sign of the times and everybody was wearing these bright colored windbreakers right this family was able to survive and guess what i was too (laughs) i was able to survive the 90s thanks be to god it's the only reason why i'm here today but that is tyler i must have been like third fourth grade probably but there's lots of things going on here (laughs) my favorite part is how big that jacket is right it's like three sizes too big um and i i started thinking about that i was like that is so weird but it totally makes sense now as a parent and knowing my mother very well she probably bought this jacket so that i could grow into it right she's not gonna buy me a jacket every school year so here i am at the mercy of uh my parents so thank you mom and dad i went to school looking like that every day so uh I also think, like, maybe we should all start secretly posting on Facebook or something all these old pictures of us, right? And it'll just be this inside joke, and we can say, like, hashtag God's wardrobe, right? This is what we're going to wear and that sort of a thing. But uh, what you wore, it was a sign of the times. And especially uh, in Christianity, there were different fads that Christianity embraced right? That also followed the, the sign of the times. It was influenced, and it still is. How many remember WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? We all remember that. Did, ever, did anyone in here get on the bandwagon where they began to make t-shirts that were like these Christian puns or parodies? Do you all know what I'm talking about? If not, it's okay, because it got plenty of examples. So this, I, I did a deep dive on Google, and it, it brought a lot of joy to my heart. I hope it brings you some joy. But people went around wearing stuff like this, and I'm, I, I'm making light of this. And, and if, if you have a lot of these shirts, that's okay. Um, but we're just going to have some fun here. No judgment, no judgment, right? So we recognize that brand, right? Subway, His Way. Cool, I can get behind that. Here's some, a little bit more modern example. Jesus Calling they got the right user interface right with the updated iPhone and we also had this God wants you to be saved right okay all right sure um, that's an example but as I went on through many many different iterations I want to show the the next two are my favorite by far and they have to deal deals with uh, condiments so are you ready for this male light shine if you look down, for Jesus, spread it around. And then my, my favorite is this one, relish sweet Jesus. Let's exalt his name together, right? I'm sure this is what Paul was talking about when he says to put on the wardrobe that God had picked out for you, right? But in all seriousness, our, our life of faith, it, it really is so much more than a, a, a witty statement, Right? The life of faith is primarily about what we do as christians as followers of jesus some of you might be familiar with this this quote it's from uh, francis of assisi and he said this he said preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words right now i want to caveat and say we do need to use our words it doesn't need to be necessarily a mystery but but It's interesting because even just the way that we behave, the way that we treat other people, it's so radically different than how the rest of the world can treat people. That old life, people are still stuck in that old life. And so this new life, it it makes a difference. People will notice just by the way that you act, the things that you say, the things that you do will draw attention not just to you, but to what Christ has done in your life, right? And so we can talk about our faith too. When someone says, hey, why do you do that when you're at work or when you're on the softball fields or baseball fields or soccer fields or wherever you might find yourselves, when you find yourselves uh, vacationing and, and traveling this summer, what are people gonna notice about what you do as a follower of Christ? Because our new life in Christ, it, it's, it's marked by things that we start doing in order to, to bring help in order to bring healing to ourselves and to others. And that includes our words, that includes our thoughts, and it includes our actions. This is what it looks like when we begin to transition from the old to the new. Paul says, dress in the wardrobe that God has picked out for you. It looks like this. It looks like compassion. It looks like kindness. It looks like humility, a, a quiet strength even. Discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. How about that? Quick to forgive an offense. And of, and of course, it, it goes on and on. This is the life. This is the wardrobe, so to speak, that God has picked out for each and every one of us, that God has picked out for you, and that we have a choice each and every day whether we're going to put on that wardrobe or not. And really, there's, there's a symbol that reminds us of our new life in Christ, it, it really encapsulates, and embodies that movement from the old to the new life. And in fact, we just did it with the, the Sodape family. The symbol is baptism, right? Baptism in the life of the church, we understand it to be a sacrament. And a sacrament is an outward sign of an inward grace. It's a symbol of what God has done and is doing in our lives as we take the water, And we pour it over those that want to give their lives to Christ. That water washes us clean. It frees us from sin. It frees us from the old life. And we are raised into new life with Christ. And so all that we have to do is simply choose to walk into that new life. Sometimes we can find ourselves going on a tangent. Sometimes we can wander or, or stray off the path, so to speak. But if and when we remember our baptisms, when we remember our baptism, it's an invitation to, to always return back to God and to follow Jesus. That's the, it's a gift that keeps on giving. We simply just need to remember we don't have to beat ourselves up. We say, the work has already been done. God has already claimed me. God has already saved me. And now I need God to sustain me in my life, in my walk with Jesus. It's pretty incredible. Our, our kids that are worshiping and worship in the park, this is our kindergartners through fifth grade that worship together up in, in the worship in the park area. They, last week, learned about the power of baptism as they worshiped Together. And I want to show you a byproduct of that. This is the end product. But before, it, it had all of the color. These were just blank coffee uh, filters, right? So this is the end product. So imagine a blank coffee filter. But then they were told to write down things on the coffee filter with some washable markers about things that they never, ever wanted to do in order to hurt other people and things that they didn't want other people to do that would hurt them and so they they named some pretty big ones some pretty intense ones right like stealing murder things like that but they also said some that were very personal to their lives stuff like bullying right some even said racism these are things this is harm that is being done to our children and and, and things that we certainly don't want them to be doing to other people And so what they did is that they they took these coffee filters that were filled with things that that do harm, and maybe that have done harm in their own lives, and what they did is they placed them in the cleansing waters, in a bowl of water, and and they watched as the words of, of harmful things began to be transformed into these colorful masterpieces. They begin to learn that when we focus on the things of God, when we focus on what God wants us to do, we get to become those masterpieces that do no harm. We focus our efforts on doing good. And as you heard earlier, it's right there in our baptismal covenants, right? The promises that we make before this congregation, the promise that we make to God— It's what we ask those that are about to commit their lives and those that have already committed their lives to recommit as we ask one another to remember and to commit to this, one of those questions. Do you accept the freedom and the power, the freedom and the power God gives you to resist evil, to resist injustice and oppression in whatever forms that they present themselves. You see, this is, this is the beginning of how our lives begin to change with the help of God, by the grace of God, and by the power of God, to, to put off, to take off, to remove, to throw out that ill-fitting old life and embrace and live into this new life. The beginning of this new life with Christ, it's marked by God's work of redemption through the cleansing waters of baptism, as we commit ourselves to following and living out Jesus' example. With God's help, the work that God does in our life, the work that we do together as followers of Jesus in in, and around us in this community and around the world becomes a masterpiece as we focus on not doing any harm, as we resist, as we said, as we committed to, to resisting evil, and injustice, and oppression in whatever forms that they present themselves, any and every kind of harm, we should resist. We should work against. And so this is what it looks like to be a people of resurrection. It's a lifelong journey that we are all called to share together. And we keep saying this over and over. It's what the world is desperate for. It's what the world is hungering for. They're they're hungering for a tangible, a real expression of God's love. And we're called to live that out. That's why Paul stresses that regardless of whatever else you might put on in the mornings, right? Wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Don't discard it. Don't forget it. Take it with you always and everywhere. Essentially, this is your go-to garment as a Christian, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. And it's sort of Paul's language when he talks about if there's one thing to take with you, let it be love. It reminded me of the games that we used to play, right? Like if you were stranded on an island, what's the one thing they're going to take with you to be on the island forever, right? Or maybe even like from like a historical context— Right? Is what's the one person from history you would want to meet and have a conversation with or a meal with, right? It's the same kind of idea. If you could wear one thing that would define you as a Christian each and every day when you woke up and you entered into the world, what would it be? We might have all have our our own individual answers, but, but Paul stresses that it's love. In fact, he says that love is the greatest. In First Corinthians chapter thirteen verses four through eight. In verse 13, it says this, love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice. Remember, we just talked about resisting injustice injustice, but it's happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things. It trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things, because love never fails. It goes on to say, as for prophecies, they will be brought to an end. As for tongues, they will stop. As for knowledge, it will be brought to an end. But what will remain? Paul says, now faith, hope, and love remain. These three things and the greatest of these is love. The Christian life is marked by doing good. And Paul continues sharing that it involves other things like forgiveness, like hope, like peace, like gratitude. But he also says if you are to, to walk away with one thing and do one thing as a follower of Jesus, the greatest, most useful, most important thing is love. Paul says that this is what it takes. All of these things, all of these attributes are the marks of, of walking in this new life with Christ. It's what it takes to do good. The more that I thought about what it takes to do good, I, I began to ask myself, could you imagine doing good without any one of those things? Without gratitude, without peace and without love. I mean, we can do some nice thing, but, but truly good things. Could we do good without love? Could we do it without peace and gratitude? Friends, we want you to remember, to not forget, to remember what Christ has done for each and every one of us, and that we have all been raised for good. And what I don't want you to, to, to worry about is that when we read through this list, right, like I stop on the first one, let alone all the other things that, that love is supposed to be doing. But what a wonderful and gracious thing that, that, God, that God guides us on this journey of love. We're not gonna be doing all of, th- all of those things perfectly all of the time. But it, it, it's our call to grow in that capacity To maybe, over our lifetimes, grow to bear that kind of fruit. To have that mark of love, not just for ourselves, but for other people. So I don't want you to get overwhelmed. I don't want you to get paralyzed. And it might seem impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And it just is a matter of being faithful one step at a time. Another quote by Francis of Assisi, he says this, he says, start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. Does that make sense? We don't need to get so caught up. We need to know where we need to be end up. But we don't need to let that overwhelm us or paralyze us from taking that first faithful step in our journeys and our walks with Christ. Start with the essentials. Do what is possible. And as you build that discipline, as you grow in God's grace, as you grow in God's love, all of a sudden, we are doing the impossible. We are doing the work of God. So what we want you to know this morning is the power of resurrection. Like it says at the end of our our passage that we read this morning at the beginning of the message, it makes room. Make room for the gospel to to be alive, to have a priority in your life. Because what it does is that it really does make room in our lives for love, for peace, and for thankfulness, for gratitude. And it does that because we're called, we have the purpose, the powerful purpose of doing good. And so maybe we have to, to challenge ourselves to put on love every day. And so practically what this might might look like is you asking yourself, is what I'm about to do, is what I'm about to say, is, is what I'm about to think loving? Does it reflect who God is, what God has done for me, and what I hope God will do for others through me? Let's together remember the redemptive work that God has done in our lives. Let's give up that old life and let's take seriously the, the gift, the privilege, and certainly the challenge of doing good. Here at Mountain Park, we take it very seriously when we say we want to live Jesus and love community. It's easy to say, it, it's catchy, hopefully easy to remember. But it's because we want to apply it to our lives each and every, every day so that we can show others that God is is alive and well and that we have been raised for good it matters because it makes a difference if we let it amen amen let's pray good and gracious god we give you thanks god because your love is eternal god when we walk into that love through the work that your son is jesus has done for us nothing can separate us from that love god it saves us god it, it redeems us it gives us a way when there was no way god it made the impossible possible god it, it, it gave us value it gave gave us sacred worth That God is inviting us to be a part of a movement to transform the world. So God, allow us, be gracious with us, forgive us when we have hurt and harmed others. But God, allow that freedom to free us. God, give us the power by your Holy Spirit to do good as often as we can in all places that we can, to all people we can, in all circumstances, God. Let our lives be marked by your love. God, we thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: I'd like to take a few minutes just thinking about that cultivate thankfulness part of the scripture we read this morning. I think it is hard to not do good when we think of our lives in in terms of the thankfulness we have for all that God has done for us, for his faithfulness in our lives. And the verse that comes after the scripture that we read, it says, and sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. So as we sing this next song together, I want us to, to think about all that he has done because I think it's really hard not to share that and have that peace and that, that attitude of gratitude um, as we go throughout our lives if we, if we take time to remember what God has done and to be thankful for that. So would you stand and join us as we sing this now?